Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Good morning. Happy Monday, Valley sports fans. Welcome to what is going to be a historic week in the Valley. As I said this morning, Vinny, the busiest, buzziest, booziest week in the Valley. Have you trademarked that? Uh, I could. You should. I could. You should. All right. I like it because that's what's going to happen this weekend. We are live at Media Row. Yes. Not. (laughs) You can't. You can no longer say. (laughs) It's. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like walking into an NCAA tournament with a can of Pepsi. You've got to get it into an NCAA approved glass, oh. or, or they lose their minds. I've I've lived through. So that. we are not on. We are on media roll. I'm a little thrown off early. First thing Monday morning. It, it, these I, these things don't no, but too we, well with you. I know that we always get those affirmations early in the show that this is the greatest show of all time. But the the new open for you know our week. Did at you know media that new open row. was coming? By the way, no. is that the first First, you've heard of it because yeah. that was the first I heard it. Yeah. Should okay. we sing uh, our open? I, I'm glad that I guessed properly that that was actually Whoa. time for me. <laughs> yeah, <all> right. <laughs> do it, do it. Yeah, bigly a barada. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're here. Look at this live in Media Rose. Sarah is here with us. Vinny is here. This place there is hopping. Well, no, it's not hopping. <laughs> there, there is nothing happening here yet, which is a function of it being Monday and a function of it being 6:03 a.m. Mm-hmm. Right? But this is generally where the action begins during the Super Bowl. The nerve center, kind if of. you will. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And, man, do we have a lot happening this week with the Suns and the trade deadline. Oh, my and goodness. Matt Ishbia and the WM Phoenix Open. There is a lot going on. You, I mean, this... We're prone to hyperbole. Hyperbole. As one of our colleagues would say. But um, this is one of the busiest weeks, potentially. Even if nothing happens with the Suns, just the talk and the rumor and the buzz about it. What happened yesterday, this is maybe the biggest, busiest, booziest week ever. The hyperbole of... I think this might also be a very, very profitable week. I think a lot of people are going to get rich this week. Unfortunately, it will be none of us sitting at the table. <laughs> but I do think that's happening this week. Where, I mean, if where do we go for that? I don't know. Powerball's do up over seven hundred and fifty million. Well, there yeah. you go. It could be that, one that, of us. That's what we're going to stake our claim yeah. to. Yeah. No, I mean, it, listen. If if you own a restaurant, if you own a golf course, if you know, I, this is there's there's a lot of tourists here. There's a lot of money in the air. If you own a golf course, you can get rich just by having one foursome come through. (laughs) That's very true, dude. That's very, very true. All right, Ferret, thanks for the heads up on that new open, brother. Start the show. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, we start the splash for this Monday with some football. Four weeks since the Arizona Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury. They've not found the man to take over the position. 
But we do have developments. More interviews, less candidates. According to various reports, the Cardinals will again interview Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers coach Brian Flores, Cincinnati defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, and Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka a second time. Aaron Glenn, Detroit's defensive coordinator, will not get a second interview. Another one-time candidate, Denver defensive coordinator Ejiro Averro, has taken the D.C. job on Frank Reichstaff at Carolina. And, in fact, um, Albert Breer uh, from the MMQB put it out last night that Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, no longer in the running. So then there were three. How about that? This is shaping up like a reality show. Who will get the rose? Yeah, right? And, and when will this all go down? Could the Cardinals actually go into the Super Bowl without a head coach? I mean, that's, that's another possibility of something that could happen this week as a new coach you, for the Cardinals. And you would almost expect it to because perceptually it would be a terrible look if next month, if we're here next week at this time and there still isn't a head coach We're breaking down the Super Bowl from right, the night before. Right. And, oh, by the way, the Cardinals yeah. don't have a coach. And, yeah, and so the Cardinals have to chase Super Bowl champion X with a coach we still haven't identified. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, so that's probably another thing that's going down this yes. week. You're right. The uh, Dallas Cowboys have named Brian Schottenheimer as their new offensive coordinator. He replaces Kellen Moore. Schottenheimer has OC experience with the Jets, Rams, and Seahawks. The reaction from a lot of Dallas fans was, like, we didn't like Kellen Moore very much, but Brian Schottenheimer? Yeah, yeah the, that whole Kellen Moore thing was very interesting to begin with. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, whatever. Yep. Uh, the NFL Pro Bowl games are in the books, and I'd say they were riveting, but then I'd be suggesting that I actually watch them. Uh, Cleveland defensive end Miles Garrett reportedly dislocated his toe during the game, so look forward next year to the first ever Pro Bowl video games. Because you can't get hurt playing video games, can you? How serious of an injury is a dislocated toe? I mean, when it happens in February, and uh, for a team that's not in the playoffs, probably yeah, not Probably that. not that much. Uh, but um, the NFC did beat the AFC 35-33. Oh, flag for that, man. Buda Baker had an interception. Uh, ask and ye shall receive. Steve, after we left the airwaves on Friday, Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving asked for a trade. Yesterday afternoon, he got his wish. The Nets sent the perpetually difficult star to the Dallas Mavericks, along with Markeith Morris, for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, an unprotected first-round pick in 2029, and second-round picks in 27 and 29. Irving is expected to take a physical in Dallas today and possibly could make his debut against the Clippers on Wednesday night, depending on whether or not he wants to show up. He says he's ecstatic. But I also found a tweet from when he left Cleveland to go to Boston. He was ecstatic about that, too. We'll have a lot of reaction to this on its face and also how the Suns tie into this. Well, yeah, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I was a little bit worried that the Suns were even in the running for Kyrie Irving, but I'll explain later. I'm right there with you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I thought I was alone on that. Chris B. Haynes of Bleacher Report and TNT reported Sunday that the Suns offered Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a first-round pick to Brooklyn. Well, for Kyrie Irving, and that they're prepared to uh, pursue Kevin Durant if he becomes available this uh-huh. week before the deadline on Thursday. Speaking of the Suns, they're 2-0 on their current Eastern road trip with wins in Boston on Friday and Detroit on Saturday. Inter- interestingly enough, the first two road wins of the season against Eastern Conference teams. Tomorrow they take on the Brooklyn Nets and expect to get Devin Booker back, who's missed the last 21 games with a groin strain, and they don't have to face Kyrie Irving. Look at that. Look at that <laughs> Yeah, how about it? Golden State Warriors are bracing for life without Steph Curry for the next several weeks. 
Curry injured his left leg in Saturday's win over Dallas. The Warriors announced yesterday that Curry suffered partial tears to his superior tibiofibular ligaments and his yeah, easy for you to interosseous say. membrane. I've never heard that term before. Easier for you to yes, say. Yes, uh, as well as a contusion to his lower leg. Golden State currently 27 and 26 in seventh place heading into this stretch and tonight's game against Oklahoma City. That's a big blow mm-hmm. uh, because Golden State was one of those teams that you're like, yeah, they've underachieved, they've dealt with injury, but they're lurking. And if they're together and healthy, they could be a factor. Without Curry, yeah, they might not make the playoffs I, if it's expected. Yeah. What a shame that would be. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I think they're going to continue lurking, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, NHL All-Star Weekend is in the rear view. Uh, the Atlantic Division Stars won the tournament over the Central Division team, which included Clayton Keller of the Coyotes. He had two goals in the two games. Speaking of the Yotes, they're back in action tonight. For their first time since January 28th, they host a Minnesota Wild at Mullet Arena. 7 o'clock face-off. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. And in golf, Aaron Rodgers and Canadian Ben Silverman won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am Team Championship uh, in California. Uh, 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 in the individual portion, I did not. All right. The, Ferret, did you watch a smarmy Aaron Rodgers sitting there with the trophy next to him? I saw, I saw clips of it, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I did not need that yesterday. No? No, no. He's going to be on the wall of Pebble Beach now forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he he looked happier than he's been in years. Seriously. He probably was. Need, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I did not need to see that yesterday. Uh, they haven't finished the tournament yet. It got held up because of wind delays. Justin Rose has a two-stroke lead in the event. Uh, he's 15 under through nine holes of his final round. Two strokes better than Denny McCarthy, Brendan Todd, and Peter Malnati. Yeah. Any relation to Lou? <laughs> Well, I don't know that, and I probably should know that, seeing he's on the PGA Tour. Uh, what happened at Pebble Beach this weekend is the WM Phoenix Open's worst nightmare. Weather overtaking the entire tournament, and then when you finish on a Monday, nobody cares. Yeah, it's, it, Nobody it's cares in golf. Yeah. It, it, Even in majors, lo- nobody no, cares. No, you're right. Lost in the you're exactly right. If it bleeds into Monday, forget about it. But look, if if this weekend was any indication of the weather we have ahead of us this week, <laughs> they're probably breathing right. pretty easy yes. over at the TPC yes. Scottsdale. There yes. you go. There's your splash for Monday, February 6th. Coming up next, a big, big trade in the NBA. And it almost involved the Suns. Can we get there? <laughs> we'll uh, cover that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from Media Row at Super Bowl 57 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. I think ultimately the fit is going to be fantastic once they get their chemistry down because, if anything, Luka resembles LeBron more offensively than Kevin Durant. And I don't even think that's close, to be frank with you, uh, in regards to stylistically how LeBron and Luka play. So Kyrie has that experience with a player like that, and I think that the Mavs have put themselves in a position to be potentially the front runner in the Western Conference, in a Western Conference that's all jumbled together and and is really wide open right now. That is George Sedano from ESPN talking about uh, one of the ways to look at the huge trade that went down in the NBA yesterday. Kyrie Irving, Markeith Morris from Brooklyn to Dallas for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, mm. 
and a bunch of draft picks. Irving on Friday after we got up the air, Bix, said, I want out six days before the trade deadline in true Kyrie Irving fashion. And George Sedano's way of looking at things, like I said, is one way. It's the basketball way. You can rationalize the basketball fit all you want between Irving and Doncic. What very few people on that side of the fence are talking about Mm -hmm. is Kyrie Irving is the most disruptive, maybe the worst teammate in the history of the NBA. What of? Yeah, no, listen, uh, you you can make an argument that he does rank among the worst teammates in NBA history in terms of just unreliability, and you never know when more drama is going to come out of the guy. I'm I'm totally with you on that, and obviously the, the, the reason why the Kyrie Irving story is so important is because the Phoenix Suns were reportedly in the running for Kyrie Irving, and at least in my vantage point, thankfully did not acquire him. Now, what's interesting to me is, is as you said earlier during the splash, we actually have details of a failed trade between the Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. Yep, here's Chris B. Haynes last night breaking that news. He's from uh, Bleacher Report and TNT. There were a handful of um, very serious teams, the Dallas Mavericks, the Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, and ultimately the Dallas Mavericks, and the reason why the Mavericks were chosen because Obviously, picks were important. Um, they got the first round pick and those two second round picks, but they also wanted to bring in players who can help right now and keep the team afloat because they still have championship aspirations. They feel like they still have a team that's capable of making a deep run. And what I can tell everybody as far as what um, other packages were out there, if you take the Lakers, they did, sources told me, they did include both of their first round picks, I believe it's 27 and 29. They did include that in the package to get Kyrie. Nets turned that down. And the Phoenix Suns, and this may surprise folks, sources have told me that they proposed a package based around Chris Paul and Jay Crowder and unspecified picks for Kyrie Irving. And at the end of the day, the Nets felt like the Mavericks had the best package because, again, it was important to try to keep the team afloat with KD's arrival coming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that that, that detail uh, at the end of that was, you know, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, unspecified mm-hmm. picks, and I think it was a, a first-round pick moving right. forward because the Suns do own all their draft picks for like the next six or seven years. Um, the fact that that got out, yes, John Hollinger mm-hmm. from The Athletic, a former uh, executive in the NBA, said a good way to ensure that you never deal with another team in a trade is leak what they offered in a trade. So that obviously came from the Brooklyn Nets. Right. And, and you wonder about the ramifications now locally. Well, yeah, well, you, yes, and if that's true that you never deal with the team after they leak your trade proposal, then what does that mean about any pursuit of Kevin Durant? Yeah, did that kill the yeah, Kevin Durant? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's so much attached to this, but I do think that locally the first reaction in hearing that is, oh, the Suns wanted to trade Chris Paul. What does he think about that? And, and so you have to wonder now what ex- if, if the chemistry of this basketball team was a little sus for most of the season, forgive that word, if it was a little sc- Sketch, forgive that word. If it was a little, <laughs> you know, mid. if it was a little mid for most of the season, then what in the world is this going to do to it? Especially coming out of a weekend where, look, you, you had what was the best one of the season on Friday in Boston, followed up by a sturdy win against the Pistons. Uh, you wonder exactly how this is going to be kind of interpreted. Then, then if you're me, you get to the bottom line of it all and you say, what are the Suns doing pursuing a yo-yo like Kyrie? 
Irving. Why? Why do you want any part of his drama slash weirdness? Any effect that that league trade offer for Chris Paul being involved in this and whatever effects it has on the team mm-hmm. chemistry, and let's assume that this team largely stays together moving forward, it's still better than what it would have been with Kyrie Irving. Listen, I, and I'm, I'm so with you on that. Now, look, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here because I do know and I from watching playoff basketball, and this is why the Mavericks did what they did because the Mavericks have a style of basketball that's very conducive to star number A dribbling and shooting and creating, and then when he's tired, star number B doing it. That's what that's we and saw it last time Dallas did. was here. Luca did not play. Spencer Dinwiddie took over that role. So now you have two guys who can yep. play the ISO game, which is yep. it, it's it's very hard to watch. It, but it is what the Mavericks lost in all of this is now the ability. They take away two of their important defensive players. First of all, their de- the defensive lineup looks horrible mm-hmm. with, without Finney Smith and without Spencer Dinwiddie. But they also lost two of those guys who could spot up and hit those shots, the three point shots late in the corner. Yeah. Uh, in the shot clock, I should yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, when, when Luca or now Kyrie Irving has to take it away. And, and again, basketball wise, you can make all the rationalizations you want. It may make sense. Kyrie Irving is an unbelievably talented basketball player. Mm-hmm. But I ask this I ask this to the Dallas Mavericks. I ask it to the Los Angeles Lakers. I ask it to the Phoenix Suns. And I ask it to anybody who's in favor of this trade. Mm-hmm. When was the last time Kyrie Irving made a situation better? Yeah, I, it was 2016. He's, he's one of the worst. You, you ID him correctly. He's one of the worst teammates in NBA history. I personally would want no part of him. When this when this became a thing on Friday, I literally to myself said, self, please, no, no. no. There was a time when I was the advocate for bringing Kyrie Irving yes. to Arizona. Now, no, no, N-O. And, and so when you looked, to me, the thing is, alright, so if the Suns did pursue him, and they did offer up trade, Paul, is this what James Jones wants to be doing, or or is this what James Jones is being told what to do? And now we're going to go down that lane about what is coming on the Phoenix Suns and who is really going to be in charge and what does the new owner actually want? Everything that you and I and, and the Suns fans for the last two years think we know about the Phoenix Suns does not matter compared to what Matt Ishbia thinks he knows about the Phoenix Suns that is and true. what kind of basketball team he wants. And, what and I- so when he's holed up at home with, with Steve Nash, I, I think we, we have a much better understanding of what that was all about. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it this way. Before Matt Ishbia, they wouldn't trade Josh Jackson for Kyrie Irving. Now they might trade Chris Paul for him? Well, I mean, and you can obviously find ways to, to create a scenario where trading Chris Paul makes sense at this point. I mean, he's largely not looked like the same player he has mm-hmm. in the past. This recent stretch has been very good outside of the, the, the one game against, I think it was the Atlanta game. Um, yeah, you're right. And going into it, you know, if you want to <laughs> if you want to poke fun at me for saying what I said last week, and that was I don't expect major change with the Suns. Who who is poking fun at you? Well, I mean, were we? Be, no, I, for anybody that's listening. Okay, because um, I, I didn't think we were. No, 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 that. no. no I, and I <laughs> I felt that way, but I mean, okay. this is an indication. Hey, they're willing to make seismic changes before the deadline. Will they be able to do it? It takes two to tango, and we learned yeah. that yesterday. And thank goodness the. Uh, the, the, the Suns missed a dance lesson and didn't know how to tango and didn't have the most attractive offer no. to, the, to the Brooklyn Nets. No, no. What they got at a 
Goodell, if you're Brooklyn, I actually would be for giving up a guy like Kyrie and getting those two pieces back. You know I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I spent a lot of time talking about him after that last Mavs game. And, and Dorian Finney-Smith's a, a, a good young player. They, and they got some draft picks. So, I mean, that was not a bad haul the Nets got for Kyrie Irving. And it was a better haul than what the Suns were offering. Suns, uh, uh, according to other reports, were not offering their draft picks. And there are reports out there that had the Suns offered up three first, they would have had Kyrie Irving. So this whole thing has got people's heads spinning. And now people think, oh, it doesn't matter. They're angling for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wants to be here. We don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know that. We, we know that he wanted to be here when Chris Paul seemed to be in his prime. And that was last summer. But we don't know that that's the case now. And, and if the Suns were that in on Kevin Durant, what are they going all in on Kyrie Irving for? Kevin Durant would be a much bigger haul than Kyrie Irving. Totally agree. And so, Kevin Durant might be thinking, okay, you know what? James Harden's gone. Yeah. Kyrie Irving's gone. If we could just get rid of this Ben Simmons guy, I'll be home free. Yeah, Vin, Vinny, and listen, uh, so I had a lot of these thoughts over the weekend about what we're watching here is not only a new owner taking over, but we're watching what is going to be a completely different mindset overtake this organization. Mm-hmm. And and as you pointed out, I was not aware of this report, but there are multiple sources claiming Isaiah Thomas is connected to Matt Ishbia. Yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago, my son was at one of the games, and he texted me, and he's like, why is Isaiah Thomas here? And I'm like, I have no idea. Well, now we have some idea. Now we have some backstory. Yes, and so do. I had not seen that report, but Vinny pointed that out to me. And if Isaiah Thomas is coming in as, as sort of to be to oversee this basketball organization, wow. Yeah, we'll have some wow. thoughts on that later on, too. Flavor, Just wow. Flavortown is pulling up right across the street from the big game this Sunday. Join Guy Fieri, Diplo, and over 20 food vendors for the ultimate tailgating party. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, Cardinals paring down their list of coaching candidates to three. When will they make that one? We will explore next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from Media Road, Super Bowl 57 at the Phoenix Convention Center here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. In Arizona, someone I trust told me two and a half weeks ago to keep an eye on Brian Flores as the potential head coach because... He would help the team in a variety of ways. Football, exact opposite of Cliff Kingsbury, and we see time and again. Teams that fire a coach look for a guy who, from a personality standpoint, is the exact opposite. You need some tough love for Kyler Murray to get the best out of him, and that's what Brian Flores would bring to the table. It's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He joined us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on uh, Friday morning talking about the uh, Brian Flores connection to the Arizona Cardinals. And over the weekend, we did not get a coach name, Bick, but we did get the list pared down to three candidates, of which uh, Brian Flores is one, Lou Anarumo, and uh, Mike Kafka are the others. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the schedule, at, le- at least the reports that I'm seeing in terms of scheduling. Uh, today, Today is February 6th. Kafka apparently is getting his second interview tomorrow on the 7th. Brian Flores on Wednesday the 8th. And then Anna Rumo not until Friday the 10th. Ah. 
Man, this thing is dragging. That's uh, yeah. No, this is yeah. I, I I hope I hope the Cardinals have their like their sights set on somebody in the Super Bowl to explain this uh, deliberate approach. But again, it doesn't matter really at this point because all you've got left now is Indianapolis and Arizona, and it, it's. It, it really doesn't matter. All the good assistants are gone, anyways. Yes. It doesn't matter at this point in time. You could take. I mean, of course, it does matter, and and there should be finality. And the longer it takes, the more deliberate, the more I don't incompetent is too strong of a word. But you don't look bold and indu- and and decisive. Yes. You look like you look like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And at the beginning of this, I think we were both in lockstep on what the Cardinals should be looking for, and that was two things, and that was change. From the outside and experience at the head coaching position. Both of those things are still possible with one of those candidates, and that candidate is Brian Flores, the only guy with head coaching experience. It's interesting that Anna Rumo and Kafka were both late identified late in this process, mm-hmm. yet they are among the three still standing. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. And uh, Lou Anarumo is a defensive guy. Mike Flores is a defensive guy. Mike Kafka is the only guy that would come in with, at least you would think, some real um, inherent knowledge of how to fix Kyler Murray, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because if you hire Lou Anarumo, if you hire Brian Flores, the other question is, okay, who are you bringing with? Who, what kind of offense we're running? Who is running it? And what's your plan for Kyler Murray, what's your plan for QB one or K one, whatever it's called these days? So and so that to me, it's and so you you think okay, maybe Mike Kafka is the better way to go. But again, we talked to a guy who covers the Giants for a living, and he thought Mike Kafka was just a dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like okay, yeah, sure. Here is Dan Duggan yeah. who covers the Giants. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm a little surprised he's been such a hot name. He, you know, he really is interviewed for every opening. Um, I think it's, I think every opening now, uh, or at least he was rumored in Denver. Maybe he never got there. Obviously, they pulled the trigger on Peyton. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's young. This is his first year as a coordinator. They like say he's not too far removed from playing. Uh, it's not like the Giants' offense uh, lit it up this year. But I think obviously people look at sort of his background and obviously what he had to work with this year. They see a lot of potential there. And if there's one trend in this league, everyone seems to be trying to find the next Sean McVay. Uh, you know, that young up and coming offensive coach. Yeah, Kafka is mm-hmm. young. He is relatively inexperienced. Uh, that's Dan Duggan saying I'm kind of surprised he was a big name. And I asked the question, too. All right, it was obviously a good year. And I'm kind of gauging what you know, what Giants fans are saying and, and the reaction coming out of New York because the Giants did have a resurgent year. So a lot of fans are saying, please, don't don't hire Mike Kafka. Dan Duggan uh, kind of elaborated on what kind of criticism he did face this year as the offensive coordinator for the Giants. You know, offensive coordinator is one of those positions you just write for criticism because everyone's sitting on the couch, you know, thinks they know better. And, and again, like, this offense is not lighted up. But I think when you factor in the limitations they had personnel-wise, you know, I think it, it, he really did do a good job. So, I mean, there was times during the year where, you know, if you try a sort of a gimmick play in the red zone, it doesn't work. And obviously, you know, the offensive coordinator is an idiot. But um, he actually, now that I mentioned that, he was fantastic in the red zone. And I actually think that's something he had a big influence on because you saw plays that certainly looked familiar to what they do in Kansas City. And the Giants had literally the worst red zone offense in the two prior, prior years. Yeah. They bring Dable, they bring Cap game and all of a sudden they're like seventh and that you know that's again with not you know major upgrades personnel wise a lot of that was scheme very creative uh, but yes yeah, so you want to have a criticism there's just games where obviously they didn't score
score a bunch, but I don't think uh, you know, he was exactly cut loose with the personnel. They had to try to, you know, put a 30 point. They were trying to manage games and win them, you know, 21 to 20, which they did. So, I mean, I think in, in that sense, job well done. And you see how the rest of the league received him that he got all this interest. I think one of the things that's attractive and could be attractive to Cardinal fans in all of this, and yes, there is a, a big importance on getting Kyler Murray right. And Kafka's inexperienced, but when you look at that limited experience he has, it's in the Kansas City organization. Before he got to New York, he worked under Andy Reid, passing game coordinator, so he worked hand-in-hand with Patrick Mahomes. On one hand, you could say, yeah, that's very valuable experience. On the other hand, what Dan Duggan said in that previous soundbite was, everybody's looking for that next Sean McVay. That, right. that, that continues. So you know, teams might be guilty of that. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting Kyler Murray correct. And that can happen with Mike Kafka. It can happen with Flores or Anarumo if they yeah. get the right offensive coordinator, the right passing game coordinator, the right quarterbacks coach to work with Kyler Murray. Okay, so here's my question. So um, when, when you start to look at, at what's related, and I, I honestly believe my gut feeling on this is that Brian Flores getting a second interview with the Cardinals I think means this thing is probably going to come together. For them, between these two parties, I I, I think that if there were any real reason to leave it alone on either side, there wouldn't be a second meeting. And I think the news that Vance Joseph has been officially kind of released from consideration is also something to factor. Why now? This team has had Vance Joseph as an employee for, what, three years now? Four. Four years. I mean, he's yeah, been four, there as yes. long as, as yes. Kingsbury's been Yes, here. he's been there four years. And, and so it, it, you know everything about Vance Joseph, so there is nothing Vance Joseph can tell you that that would be revelatory. So why why now? Is that, is that a sign that they're bringing in a guy like Brian Flores? Um, or are they bringing – or it, are the two related? It, it, does this mean the Cardinals know really where they're going? And and they've whittled it down. Like you said, they've got a handful of candidates here. But the fact that Brian Flores has re-emerged, mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of pings my radar. Yeah, because he had been interviewed early in this process. And again, now we are into week five, starting this Monday. And I, I've lost count of the days. I think yeah. it's you know, 28 days now. Mm-hmm. I mean, four weeks is 28 days uh-huh. since Cliff Kingsbury was fired. Uh, the reports on the Kafka interview were that he knocked it out of the park, that they were very impressed with him. I'm wondering if they go Kafka first, Flores second, and then you know they're blown away again by one of those candidates. Mm-hmm. Do they even go to Anarumo on Friday? Do they try to get ahead of this before Super Bowl week? Uh-huh. Um, there's so much to consider. But your thoughts, yeah, uh, the Vance Joseph thing is interesting. And, um, you know, because, again, if you knew he wasn't going to be – the only reason he had been a candidate up to this point was clearly there was doubt from the Cardinals that they were going to get anybody they liked. Mm-hmm. They, right. So he's their in-case-of-emergency, break-glass kind of guy. Yes. And, and now they don't need that anymore. That tells you something. That either tells you that Vance went in there and said, stop playing with me. Give me, well, look at give me an idea of what I'm doing here. I mean, there's defensive coordinator well, jobs that are still being filled. Yeah. and being, people, your Candidates are interviewing for those jobs. Mm-hmm. Vance Joseph hasn't been linked to any of those jobs. Yeah. I'm wondering how much he gets involved in that now. Do people look at him and say, that's a guy we could use as defensive coordinator? Or now does he have to take a step back and become a position coach somewhere and work his way back up to coordinator and, and, and an attempt to get uh, a wow. head coaching job? Yeah. 
It's well, kind of it's, it's unfortunate. The timing yeah. is unfortunate for him. No, I agree. I agree. But, again, I, I think of those three names, who are you most excited about? Of the three? Mm-hmm. It's still Flores. Yeah, same. Same. Because I think that what what he brings is very powerful and very much what the team needs. And then he, he just better have a plan for Kyle. Plus, it's just reassuring to look at a guy, even though it fell apart for, yeah. for weird reasons in uh-huh. Miami, let's be honest. Right. But when you could look at a guy and say, he recently has won 10 games with a less than stacked yeah. roster in, in, in the that, NFL. Vinny, Vinny Spitten. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you. Yeah, I know. You got boom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What if Brian Flores comes? Yeah, my new offensive coordinator, Kevin Murray. Have you heard of this guy? (laughs) You heard of this guy? We're bringing Mike McCoy back, kids. Well, Uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it is Monday. It's a little quiet here at Media Row at Super Bowl 57. But the the quietness will fade away. Uh Not just here, but citywide as the week goes on. We are the center of the sports universe. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. Appreciate everybody's support. Appreciate everybody being out here. If you're going to Arizona, be loud like you always are. Go Birds! E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagle. That is Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles at the team's uh, departure from uh, the city of brotherly love here to the Valley of the Sun today. you got Super Bowl opening night tonight over at Footprint Center. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I know we're kind of under the NFL roof here. I still can't believe they get money charging people to go watch other people mill around on a Listen. floor. But what? hey, whatever. Whatever floats your boat, right? Uh, with, all, with all due respect, who was the one who said uh, no one ever went broke underestimated? the intelligence of the American public. Was that P.T. Barnum? Is that who that Sucker was? Sucker is born every minute. Yeah, him yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this, this whole thing is is the epitome of that. And we've seen this. I, I actually I actually uh, have empathy for people who think they're getting a legitimate football experience, and then they show up. They're going to take a seat in the Footprint Center, and down on the basketball court, there's going to be a bunch of kiosks, probably 80 of them. And each one is going to have a player, and they're going to have earbuds and a little channel thing. And you know how great those work. The mass-produced handout to everybody who walks in the building, right? Yes. Electronics, yeah. <laughs> right? And and so you think that that's actually like uh, uh, it, it's... It's crazy. It, it is. really, really is. But that's tonight, Nuts. and it's uh, look. We are at the uh, the beginning of. Uh, I, I think when you consider all things, Super Bowl is here. WM Phoenix Open is here with an elevated purse, an elevated status on the PGA Tour, and a great field. What could happen with the Phoenix Suns this week in terms? Even if it, nothing happens on the trade front, mm-hmm. you got a new owner taking over on Wednesday, and then the Arizona Cardinals could find a new head coach this week. Yeah, uh, although it's. And the return of Devin Booker also. With the and the return team. of Devin Booker tomorrow. Well, Look, this is a huge, huge yeah. week. And, and there, there are two different things. And, and number one would be uh, simultaneous.
simultaneously, you've got a Super Bowl and you've got the WM Phoenix Open. And when you have these things together in the same town at the same time, there is sort of like a, there's a multiplier effect that, that everybody ends up feeling. This hasn't happened a whole bunch, but every time, almost every time it happens, it, it, the, the, the excitement is absolutely palpable. And like this time around, you've got, you've got the Arizona Super Bowl host committee, and now they've done this game. This is their third time doing this game. And they've learned a lot of lessons along the way. They've caught a lot of breaks along the way. You know, I tell the story to people who are not familiar. You know this story. Back in 2008, the first game in Glendale, some dude with a car full of guns and explosives was on his way down to the stadium to cause some kind of havoc. He didn't even know what he was going to do. He was just disturbed and intent on cause. And by the grace of God, he had second thoughts. He called his family. They talked him out of it. And and a catastrophe was quite literally averted Mm -hmm. based on something like that. And then you look at the two games that that Glendale has hosted since then, and both were transcendent, historic kind of games. So you've got this You've got this operation here that's been really, really dependable and reliable at serving the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stay in the Super Bowl rotation, you can't have any hiccups in this regard. So, so it, it's there's that the WM Phoenix Open. That's also beginning this week in, in, in the ways golf tournaments begin on Monday with a lot of fluff and frivolity, right? But but this tournament is now an elevated status tournament on the PGA Tour. There's only four tournaments on the PGA Tour that are able to do what the WM Phoenix Open is doing, which is give out $20 million in prize money, which then brings all the best golfers to your tournament. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this in response to the Live Golf Tour. It's a direct competition with Live. So there's this pressure now the WM Phoenix Open to thread this needle and to keep this kind of status. And so it's all kind of circling together and you know, it, 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 it always ends up nuts, man. The WM Phoenix Open for whatever reason always seems to end up in a playoff, which makes everybody happy True. except for the credential media covering golf who want to get, get to a Super Bowl party. <laughs> Right, and they're on the fifth playoff, and they're like, "Come on!" <laughs> that is true. Five of the last seven years, that tournament's gone to a playoff. Is that right? It, it happens almost every year, and so, uh, so I think there's going to be this is going to be something, man. And then you throw all this Suns weirdness in the middle of the mix, the Cardinals weirdness, and the Cardinals weirdness in the mix. I'm not sure we've ever had a week like this. I'm going to predict Clayton Keller scores eight goals tonight, just to add to the weirdness. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? That would. That'd be so weird. Yeah, no, it would be. But so, so just I would just say, look, we we've got to enjoy this. I'm like, I'm I'm like in heaven here. I can't decide what press conference to go to. Whether I'm going to the golf tournament, whether I'm going, you know, to where the Eagles I are know at, where, where you're going. Are. You're going to cover the Rihanna press conference. Yeah, that's let's right. Be, let's be honest. That's right. When is that, by the way? They usually do that on Friday. Yeah. I, think. I haven't seen yeah. the schedule. I'm coming with you. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. That's I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I, I remember uh, on Radio Row or mm, eh, fine on Media Row. <laughs> on Media Row, that's always like one of the highlights of the week is the entertainment, the entertainer press conference. Yes, because because in years past they've been these marquee transcendent performers that generally don't sit down in front of media, right? I mean, Madonna generally doesn't sit at a table with you know eighty sports writers. That is true. You know, although Madonna may have done that, you don't usually see Beyonce and Ray Ratto in the same building. That's right, what you, right, that's right. You, that generally doesn't happen. And, and so this is going to be fun. This is going to be really, really exciting. Um, 
I, I, I think from a golf standpoint, it's kind of weird because um, back in 1996, that was the first time the Super Bowl came to Arizona. That is when Phil Mickelson won the WM Phoenix Open for the first time. And, and the golf tournament back then was played Wednesday through Saturday. So is they, that right? They ended on a Saturday in 1996. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and on Sunday they did this really weird kind of um, uh, pro-am between pro golfers and football players. And then when it got over, they helicoptered them to Sun Devil Stadium for the football game. And that was the year that Phil Mickelson and Justin Leonard went to a playoff. And ESPN was doing live shots from the Super Bowl. And Phil Mickelson and Justin Leonard got into this playoff. And they were two young American golfers at a time when golf was... If you think golf is boring now, you should go back to the early 90s when, you know, it was Tom Kite and guys like this, right? What a dork! We're, we're, that's, it, we're, we're Right, where the PGA Tour was not a lot of fun. Yeah. And then Phil comes out of nowhere in this playoff with Justin Leonard at the W. Then it was just the Phoenix Open. And that, according to historians of the WM Phoenix Open, which I consider myself one now, there that was a huge... Um, launching pad for the golf tournament because it was aligned with the Super Bowl. And the idea that, that the network loves the fact that this golf tournament bleeds right up into kickoff. You know? Oh, yeah. And, it, it aligns uh, and, and perfectly. And here's, here's what's different about this year, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox with this. What's different about this year is, is the amount of money these two things have brought to town because, because the WM Phoenix Open has expanded its footprint so dramatically in the past seven years, adding the Bay Club, adding all sorts of corporate amenities, right? Because they can't sell enough of them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and because there's way more of that inventory available to the big spenders, there, there are a lot of high-dollar um, travel agents, trip promoters who have bundled a Super Bowl ticket with a Saturday WM Phoenix Open ticket and sold them for just crazy money. And a lot of those sales are outside of this country. So people are flying in for this bucket list experience of being there on Saturday and there on Sunday, and then you fly home on Monday. I feel like I missed an opportunity to rent out my place. <laughs> you did. And why do you consider yourself a historian? It's like, did you write a book or something? <laughs> Gee, get over yourself, get man. Over yourself. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, I didn't mean to gloss You did like write that. a book. Uh, yeah, right. I did write a book. You haven't yes. plugged it yet, by the way. I'll get into it. I'll get into it All this right, week. Cool. Okay. I, think, I think you have a platform. Uh, listen for your name every day this week for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Just text SUPER to 620-620 to register. Once you hear your name, call in within the time frame. You could be heading to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you'll win tickets to the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. That's SUPER to 620-620. And yes, we will call out our first name today. So if you've already done that and texted Super to 620-620. Definitely be listening to us for the rest of the morning because you never know when it's going to happen. Coming up next, we hit the 7 o'clock hour. The Phoenix Suns. What will this team look like by the end of the week? It almost changed in a big way yesterday. We'll get into the details next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from Media Row at Super Bowl 57 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.